start using cutting-edge warp speed 5G technology with your cell phone. Let me tell you about my friends at MobileMobile.io. They have an ultra-fast 4G LTE and 5G network that covers 99% of Americans. So they've got you covered everywhere. Think about it for a moment. You have the opportunity to take a test drive for 10 days with unlimited talk, text, and premium data. What is premium data? Premium data is an allotment of a cellular data that you receive from a higher priority on the network. You won't get throttled like you will with some of those, well, non-brand service providers. To find out more information, all you have to do is go to mobilemobile.io. That's mobilemobile.io to start your 10-day free trial. This show is brought to you by Safety FM. Support for the Jay Allen Show is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SAFETY at manscaped.com. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. The craftsmanship and the detail on the 4.0 are next level. You know more times of actually handling blades and becoming a bloody mess, if you know what I'm saying there. Manscaped engineered the ultimate growing and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible comfortable grooming experience. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. This upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock. It also gives the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for some precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim throughout additional guards, lengths, with sizes 1 through 4. Did I mention that it's wireless charging? Yeah, not a joke here. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help battery length last longer. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. No person wants to end up with pubes in their mouth. It's time to get your own ball hair and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth boys. Get 20% off and free shipping with code SAFETY at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with code SAFETY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code SAFETY. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. 
Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Jay Allen Show. Hopefully everything is good and grand inside of your neck of the woods. I don't know. Interesting month so far as we get further and further into the month of May. Hopefully you're having a grandioso time as things are moving around and about. Can you believe it? We're already five months into this bad boy. Boy, has the time went by relatively quick. Anyways, let's start talking right away about the things that we have going on today. Today, you'll get to hear from Debbie Rodriguez. She has built a solid reputation as a minority woman business owner over the last two decades. She possesses well over 20 years experience in recruiting, sales management, training development, and safety. In 2008, she was a vital part of starting quality labor management, and she's part owner and operator of two of the locations. In 2009, Debbie opened Competitive Edge Partners in Consulting. CEP is a prime subcontractor specializing in Division I general requirements and Division 16 electrical. So I have to tell you, there's a lot of knowledge base that comes upon when you're having the conversation with Debbie Rodriguez. And she'll go down the path on how she built what she has built in helping out the community. I would love for you to hear very closely what Debbie has to say today on the Jay Allen Show. SafetyFM.com But really what I wanted to do is talk about you and the things that you have going on. I will tell you as we went going through some of the portions that we could find, you got a lot of stuff going on. So... I'm not even sure where you want to start because there's so many, there's so much goodness inside of here. And I have to tell you, you're one of the very few safety professionals that I have seen at the same place for a very long period of time. So I'm kind of amazed by this. And I, can I say 12 years? Can I say 12 years? Is that okay? You can say, say, you can say 12 years. <laughs> so let's start off with the most important part, which is going to be the most obvious question out of all of them. What got you involved into this little world of ours of safety? Well, um, so every company that I've ever worked for, the number one philosophy has always been safety. It's always been the first word of all of our philosophies. So it's only, you know, it's only right that I continue down that mantra when I started my own company 12 years ago. So my philosophy is safety, accountability, commitment. So, so, you, you, decided, you, really... so, so you decided to jump in and start your own company of safety because of hearing this philosophy from all these other people talking about it? Is that, was that the we reason did. behind Wow, yeah, you're bra- you are a brave one, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we I own a subcontracting company, but one of our arms is a safety consulting division mm-hmm. because I do feel like there's such a need and such a lack of education in the safety sector that it just made sense to open that as part of my subcontracting world as an added benefit to our clients. So I, I have to, of course, ask the dead obvious question as well. How has it been going through this last 12 years of a male-dominated industry? Of course, being a female yourself, it has to be interesting, especially with some of the oddities that can be sometime inside built into this inside of this world. So how has it went for you so far? You know, I have to tell you that uh, I, it's been wonderful. I, I know that I certainly am usually the only female in the room, mm-hmm. um, but I'm OK with that. I've always been comfortable in my own skin and I've always been comfortable in, in what I know and what I say. So. You know, I think that when women are in a male-dominated world, they, they have two directions to go. Either, you know, this this isn't for me and hide and run the other way or embrace it because it's pretty awesome. So um, I sit on the board of ABC, the Association of Builders and Contractors. And 
thank God there's three of us now, but for four years, I was the only female uh, and I was okay with that. <laughs> yeah. I like to play in the man's world. It's, it's not so bad. Well, you know, but here's the thing. And I, and I know that it kind of, sometimes it can get kind of weird if people want to make it an issue, you know, and that's what I want to kind of re- reference there, because I think that females bring such a great thing to the, to a board and so on. But sometimes some people go, well, they don't know as much as me. And I think that that kind of puts limitations. So did you run through any of that as you were first starting off getting into it? Well, I mean, I, to, t- to tell you that it's always been rose, roses, I would be a lie. I mean, I've been in the, <laughs> I've been in the industry for 21 years. So okay. even though I've only had my, my company for the last 12 years, the beginning was, was very different. So at the beginning of 21 years ago in the construction industry, um, all of leadership were males. And so I got promoted into leadership at 28. And it was, it was, that was difficult because nobody took me serious because of my age and took me serious because I was a female and I was running people that were older than me, significantly older than me. So that, that was also another thing that, you know, now this 28 year old chick is going to run these, you know, 30, 40 year old men and even 50 year old men. And that the beginning was a little bit, but I will tell you the beginning is what made me who I am today. Cause if I didn't have those, trials and tribulations and didn't learn at a very young age how to overcome them, I probably would still have the same issues today. So, so. as you're so as you're going through the beginning stages of that journey, how is it for you though? Because here's the thing. I look at it this way. We kind of have this person that we are at work and then we kind of are slightly different at home. Was it affecting any of your home life when you were first going through these? And believe me, we're going to get to, to some more positive stuff, but I always want to know how the experience is, of course. So um, at a very young age, I got married. Um, at a very young age, I got divorced. Okay. <laughs> so, not, uh, it wasn't caused by the job, was it? Um, it had some of it, yes. Okay. No, it was. Um, it was definitely caused by the job. Uh, you know, my career started to flourish, and my ex-husband uh, did not know how to deal with that. And then I, li- I lived in a male-dominated world, so you had two issues. Number one, I was growing very rapidly in, in my profession and starting to make more money than he was. And so his ego was very much, mm-hmm. much broken. And he was six years older than me. So now, now I have, I'm 23. He's 20. I think he was 28. And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden I was making more money than him and I was going down the path of leadership. And I don't think he really knew what to do with that because that's not really, you know, when we first started dating, I was still, that's pretty young. Um, I mean, 23 is still pretty young as well. I mean, let's go. Oh, I feel like I've always been an old soul, though. But, yeah, so, you know, I didn't have the good strength at the beginning. But to be honest with you, I didn't think anything negatively about it. I just felt like we just grew up and grew apart. And I Mm -hmm. thought that sounds sad because it's only three years. But, you know, you just you either grow together as a couple or you grow apart. And if you grow apart, at least you could recognize it and want happiness for each other. So I wanted happiness for him, and I knew I wasn't it. So let me ask a strange question here, because you say that you grew apart, but also at the same time, you had two things going on where your career started to flourish. It started, you know, having some other issues. Now, was part of the issue dealing as well because you were mostly in a male dominated world at the time? So was there a jealousy factor inside of there, if you don't mind me asking the question? And of course, if there's anything off limits, you can give me the sign and I will cut right there. So No, no, it's fine. It's fine. I have I have zero filter and you can <laughs> oh, ask me. I love anything, it already. So. <laughs> Um, I do think it had something to do with that. I had just started in my career path in the staffing construction industry. And so, yeah, I mean, I didn't know anybody but but men. I didn't mm-hmm. hang out with anybody, you know, as far as work, but men. You know, I was constantly around all of them every day, all day. So, 
it didn't necessarily lead. It, he did. I do think he had some insecurities. Um, but at the ending of the day, you know, we I thought we could overcome them, and we we couldn't. Um, I think he had more of a beef about the fact that I had, had started making more money than he had made, mm-hmm. and that and I kept saying, "Well, we're in this together, so who cares if I make more money? That means right. we make more money." Um, That's the way I would look at it, of out. course. <laughs> <laughs> right, but you're but you're a very you know independent you know man that thinks that women can do anything, so <laughs> you would be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I believe they could do anything. I I will tell you. I am the only as successful as I am because my wife does the majority of all the stuff that needs to take place. She runs the joint. I just kind of hang out in front of a microphone and everybody thinks that I'm the brains of the operation. They just don't know the truth. It's just because you have the nicer voice, right? Well, she doesn't, she doesn't like to talk in front of people. So I guess, uh, I guess that kind of works out well in, in this. I don't like talking in front of people either, but most people don't believe me. So, Well, I mean, I guess you never, I guess you don't really talk in front of people. You just talk. Yeah. yeah. And I don't shut up sometimes. That's the other problem. So as you're going through this career, and of course there's some different changes and everything going on. When do you start falling in love with the temp labor side of work? Because there is a, there has to be a love relationship there at some particular I mean, portion. 21 years, there has to be. <laughs> right. So at what point do you go, this seems like it's a great idea. And you take, I mean, you have moved before you kind of moved around inside of this, this whole portion of this segment. I mean, you were a district manager at one point, and mm-hmm. then you kind of moved owner operator and so on. So how did you decide that this was the love of the portion of the career that you wanted to move forward with? Because there's a lot there. I mean, you're doing safety yeah. and you're doing construction stuff. It's a, mm-hmm. let's just put it to you this way. You didn't take the easy path here. That's for no. sure. <laughs> it's so funny. You say that. Cause I tell everybody all the time, look, if I can do construction staffing, I can do anything. It's <laughs> probably the two hardest industries in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jay, I have to tell you, I, I love helping people. I, I love, I love seeing somebody with a situation that they can't even, they don't even know how to help themselves, but yet you have the ability to help them. Um, so, I mean, I currently run, you know, three, 315 craft workers out in the field. So, you know, I believe in them before they believe in themselves. So I, I felt, I started in day labor, which I'm sure you know that, which that's the third hardest thing to do. So staffing, day labor, construction, like every single barrier that you could imagine. So, I think at a very young age, you know, 23 is when I started in the industry. I, um, I always wanted to help people. I didn't really, I wanted to be a trauma surgeon and then decided I hated school. Um, <laughs> that that so could I, be a problem. Cutting people yeah, open could be an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to let me operate on them without having my degree. So, right. so I dropped out of school. Like, you know, I think I went to one semester, not even, I don't even think I finished, um, you know, I had a full ride to go to Florida and, and just like, I, I hate school. Um, but I knew I wanted to help people. I've known that since I was young. Um, and I've probably been an entrepreneur since I was, I had my, my own lawn service at 12. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I borrowed, you know, borrowed my parents' lawnmower, but I gave them, you know, part of my money because I was using their equipment and bought my own gas. So I think I learned at a very young, and I come from migrant parents and so my, both of my mother and father are from Cuba. So I learned a lot of my, you know, behaviors from them. And thank God I was, I was raised in a different culture. I think it really helped me to, to be very stable, meaning I saw difference. You know, I, they're, my parents were very different. They mainly spoke Spanish. I don't, I spoke English and they spoke Spanish back. It was always very interesting. I was like, mom and dad, we, you got to get you better at English. Let's start talking about it. So, um, so I think that was, you know, I saw my parents 
struggle when they came to this country. Well, I didn't see them struggle, but I, I obviously I didn't see them because I wasn't here yet. But, um, you know, I, I heard the stories of my family and everybody struggling when they came here from Cuba that, you know, their degrees and all of their things, you know, they had nothing here when they came to the United States. You know, what they were in their country was zero here. So they basically had to start all over again. And I just always thought to myself, well, you know, if I can help people, you know, either from other countries or from, you know, people that have had vices that are now trying to clean up their lives or people that have had past histories, you know, in the prison system, like, you know, I believe in second chances. And so, um, so I guess I've always wanted to help people. So the day labor model really taught me how to deal with the most unusual and most adverse situations you could possibly think of. And for eight years or almost eight years, I, I did the day labor model. I mean, I would wake up four in the morning, go in downtown Jacksonville, Florida, open up the office. And here's these, you know, 40, 50 men walking in and you're 23 years old. <laughs> I do often thank God that my parents didn't really know what I was doing because they probably would have never slept. <laughs> um, especially their, you know, their, their kid is leaving to go to do something in downtown Jacksonville, Florida every day. So I think, you know, just, Watching those gentlemen, and, and at the time, I didn't have any female employees. They were all males. Um, but watching those gentlemen genuinely care about you because they knew that you were their, their lifeline. They knew that you were the one that was going to pay them. You were the one that was going to put them to work. You were the one that was going to try to take care of them and their needs, whatever that need may have been. So for seven and a half years, I did that and did get promoted within the organization and moved to Orlando um, in my mid-20s. And then from there, I got the opportunity to start my own company with a business partner. And that's how I started um, QLM. And the great thing was, is my business partner said to me, you know, Debbie, you can do whatever you want. You build this, com this company how you want it. And I wanted it to be a company that truly was the, the jobs were temporary, but the people were not temporary. So, you know, health benefits, vacation pay, safety bucks. We have a safety bucks program. So for every hour they work safe for cruising and merchandise and get certificates. So, you know, he let me do what I wanted to do. I wanted to go away from the day labor model and I wanted to become more of a truly like a true staffing model to where you truly had people, you know, you paid once a week, you didn't pay every day. So I had stopped believing in the day labor model because I did feel like I was just fixing people's vices. And I didn't, although I think there's a need for it, I just didn't want to be in that. Well, let me ask that question. Let, let me ask that question right there because I know that by working at different organizations, some people have the stigma of day labor, where they go, "Oh, we don't want to go that route because they have this belief of something they might have seen on TV or something they might have heard, or maybe even someone that they know had a bad experience, or even themselves at some point." Can you talk about that real quick, if you don't mind, on how it's not sometimes what people <laughs> think that it is? Yeah, so um, I would 100% agree with you. It's still staying. I mean, it's 2021 and people still think that way. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, th I think there are companies that do things for the right reasons and there's companies that do things for the wrong reasons. And unfortunately, the whole, the whole thing that people say, you can do a thousand things right and they'll remember the one thing you do wrong. That's what they believe in the temporary staffing model. Because there's nothing wrong with any of those gentlemen that I employed for all of those years. It was, they were just different. They, they had... They liked living in the woods. They didn't want it. They didn't want a home. They didn't want all that, that for themselves. And, and they were, you know, wonderful men. I mean, I can tell you, you know, being in that environment for seven and a half years, I was never, I was always treated with the most respect. Nobody ever, I think one time I had a situation and trust me, 
the guys jumped over the counter and got rid of the guy quicker than you could imagine because they knew that I was their lifeline Mm -hmm. um, as far as their income. So, you know, people fall in their on hard times and all of us are one step away from being in that same situation. And I would always remind myself of that. Like just because this guy's sitting in front of you and he's, you know, could be your old enough to be your father. He's brought here because he needs, he needs to eat whatever, you know, have a bed, whatever it is. Um, and I cared more about the human being than to put, I don't, I try not to put stigmas on anybody mm-hmm. because we're people first. And so that's why I just focused on the people and the good people stayed with me and the bad people. I kind of weeded they, through them and well, got they, kind of, them, so. they weed themselves out to it, to an yeah. extent, I would imagine. So I know that you said that you wanted to help people at a younger age is something that you developed. How did you, that play such a hard factor when you were moving forward, when you started saying, we're all just human and we're just one step away from this. How did you, I mean, at such a young age, and I'm not saying you said you were an old soul earlier, so I'm going to go with that still. How did you have, did you come up with that because of what you had seen your parents struggle through when you were younger or the stories that they had told you? Is that how you always knew that we were just one step away? Yeah, yes. Um, cause I did, I did. And of course being in a day labor model, you, you saw people go from, you know, dealing with addictions and dealing with, you know, alcoholism and drug abuse. And, you know, as a person that doesn't, be, you know, I've never done any of those things. So for, as a person that was on the furthest side of the spectrum, my parents don't drink. I mean, my, I was raised, you know, very differently, but you, I just wanted better for them. And, so I just worked really hard to, to try to show them a better life. And, and I, you know, I think sometimes I believed in people when they didn't believe in themselves. And I typically don't give up on people until I've just finally had enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my staff tells me all the time, like, Debbie, you give people so many chances. Well, I just feel like if I don't give them the chance, then how about if this is like, you know, now they all of a sudden spirit, you know, go straight down into this horrible depression and, and it, I could have changed their life, you know? And so I try to just, I try to stay positive on people and, you know, people make mistakes every single day. I mean, I feel like I counsel my team members every single day. You, you, you took it. You took what I was going to say right, right out because I was going to say, you're essentially like a counselor. You're counseling yeah, these people sure. along <laughs> the same times too. But you said something that I think is so important. I think that it's so important in regards of what you're doing and also in the world of safety that we tend to forget that error, that people do make mistakes and that errors are more normal than what people acknowledge. So as you take a look at this and you're seeing, I mean, you're seeing a very wide scope of things, mm-hmm. day laborer safety and noticing errors and you're kind of helping all these people out. What is your mind at the end of the day? Because I mean, there's so much you have going on. 315 people. I have two kids and I can't, I can't manage them. So I can't imagine 315. You know, um, I think I just focus on them. I focus on the bigger picture. I focus on the impact that I'm making in their lives. Like I've, we have literally through my nonprofit, which is I build central Florida. I mean, between the staffing element, the subcontracting element and the, and the, and the, uh, nonprofit element, they all work so well together. So you have the opportunity to, to truly change people's lives. I mean, I have people that have come to me in tears, like I can't get a job. I don't know what to do. And I mean, these same people are, have been with me now for 10 and 12 years and they're foremen's or superintendents now, and they're still on my payroll and they get, try to get hired on by my customers. And they tell me, you know, I'm not leaving Debbie. Like 
I, I have this said to me quite frequently. Why would I leave somebody that takes such good care of us? Like you're, if I call you on a Sunday night at 10 o'clock at night, cause I'm stuck on the side of the road and I got nobody else to call. I know that I can call Debbie and she'll be there for me. Like there's no other employer out there that's going to do that. Debbie, what's your phone number again? No, I'm joking. I'm joking as I, as I say that. So you did mention something here about I Build Central Florida, your foundation there. Can you explain a little bit more to our listeners on what exactly it all does here in the Central Florida area? Yeah, absolutely. So I Build Central Florida was a was a thought um, that I had back in 2015. I was I just recently joined the board of ABC and. Uh, obviously, being in staffing and being in construction, we had a workforce development committee, or we were developing a workforce development committee. And of course, everybody looked at me and were like, hey, you do temp staffing. You should be the leader of that because you deal with everybody. <laughs> no and pressure. I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Mind you, I hadn't even really started the board yet. I started the board in the January. That was the October before leadership. And I was like, oh, okay, let's, let's, let's do this. I, I can fit. And I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, yeah, you'll figure it out. So honestly, through that whole, I was like, well, so how do I get for 20, the past 20 to 30 years, we have had such a shortage in the trade. So how do I, how do I start fixing that? I can sit here and talk about it for another 20 or 30 years, or I can start fixing it. So then I built Central Florida became the nonprofit that, so I brought the education system in Central Florida and the construction industry together. And now we were working on the same platform to try to get more people in the industry. We were taking guidance counselors on field trips to the job sites and showing them like these incredible, you know, the trades and watching drywall hangers, framers and finishers and carpenters. And it's like, you know, you, you would see these guidance counselors faces going, oh, my God. I was like, yeah, because so those kids that are bad in your class, they're phenomenal for the construction industry because they, <laughs> they, they want to just go out and do something. Right. They don't want to sit at a desk all day. And so, you know, so I just started educating the industry. And the people, the parents, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. My generation was a generation that thought everybody should go to college. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, a piece of paper doesn't define you. What college you went to when you graduate, who really, I mean, unless you're going down a career path that, you know, you're a lawyer or a doctor. I mean, how many career paths really, truly need a degree? I mean, there's, there's a handful of them, but for the most part, your drive and your, you know, who you are as a person is what gets you to where you want to be. So I started to try to talk about, let's stop talking about college and let's start, talk, start talking about career path because that's really what the important part is because who cares where you went to school? Um, so that was, that was one of the things that we started to really, with the six um, surrounding school districts, we started to really talk about, let's talk about careers. Let's stop talking about college. And so, so the education system was there and then the industry, the construction industry was like, I can tell you this, the construction industry was the hardest part to get on board. I mean, and I was so upset because, you know, coming from the construction industry, I was like, how do these people not see that if we can band together with the education system that we can truly change this? Like we, a four-year apprenticeship program is just as important as a four-year degree. It's just a different way to get to, Dr. Armbruster would say, it's a different way to get to Jacksonville. There's more than one way to get to Jacksonville. There's more than one way to be successful. So, so really it was, that was it. I, that's what, I started I Build Central Florida and thank God that a whole bunch of people had the same feelings and thoughts and came along the ride for me. And I have a phenomenal board that continues to surprise me day in and day out. I mean, we have the I Build Invitational on Saturday, which is our skills competition, our job fair, our signing day. I mean, it's it's grown to be something that honestly, Jay, is so far beyond what I ever thought it would be. 
I mean, we just started in the Gulf Coast. We're looking at North Florida. So, you know, it's, it's really just showing people that through education and through apprenticeships, you can, you can be 50, 60, 70, 80, hundred thousand dollars a year in this industry. Um, so it was just that it's educating the people just, you know, in the school system, the kids, the middle school, high school kids, the guidance counselors, their parents. Cause like, so I have a, an ex that calls me all the time. Can you please tell your two, you know, your two daughters or two stepdaughters that they need to go to college. I was like, I can't, I would be a hypocrite. Like, I don't think, but, and then of course I get, but Debbie, not everybody's like you, not everybody's driven like you. And I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> so, so yeah, I get that phone call frequently. And then I have three other stepkids from my most recent or my recent marriage. And those kids are, you know, one of them works for me and has proven his, he worked as a day laborer for three years <laughs> and I pushed him and pushed him and pushed him because I wanted to make sure he had what it took before I brought him on, you know, as a permanent employee of, of my subcontracting company. And there were so many lessons that he learned. I mean, I remember sitting at the dining room table one night and, you know, at the time he was 20 and I put him through heavy equipment operating school because he really wanted to do heavy equipment operating. And this is all through the iBuild program. And, um, and he came home one day and I said, Hey, I have a labor job that I need you to go on tomorrow because I don't have anybody else. And he looked at me and he goes, he goes, I'm not a laborer. I'm a heavy equipment operator. Jay, man, if I could have flipped that table, <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, you know what? You are no better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So for you to sit here after you've gone to heavy equipment, heavy equipment operating school and to sit there and say that you're, you're better than that. I said, I do labor jobs. Nobody is better than anybody else in this world. And I, and I took him right back to day one. Mm-hmm. So he had worked two days as a, as a laborer. And then he was almost on his way to finally getting in the company. And he started on day one. And he's like, what? I was like, yeah, no, you, you haven't gotten it. You don't get it. You don't get it at all. There is nobody in this world better than anybody else. And it, I think that that's so important about mindset in regard to really saying, hey, you have to kind of look at the whole paradigm here, opposed to just mm-hmm. one aspect of it. Now, here's a, there's something that you mentioned a little bit prior to you, what you just said that I'm that has me very curious. You said that you had the construction industry not wanting to jump on board with this. What was their hesitation? I mean, you're doing something inside of the industry that I have not heard of before. So what was their hesitation marks that they didn't want to move forward with this? Well, I will tell you this. So the construction industry is, and I, I hate the way this is about to sound because I love the industry. So sometimes in our, in the construction industry, we get in our own way. So we, so they believe that the education system has always been flawed to helping the construction industry. And in a way they're right. But what we were bringing to the table now is, is completely different. Like the education system is on board. Let's, this is a time, this is a time for us to change the thoughts and the processes and, and start looking at apprenticeships. And so so honestly, I think they were just scared because they had thought they had tried to have this relationship before and it just didn't pan out well because I hate to say it, but the education system has a lot of red tape. I mean, and, and they do. And so the construction industry was like, there's too much red tape. There's, it was too many hurdles for them to want to overcome. So I think at first they were like, let somebody else go try that. And then if it works, you know, later on down the road, then we'll jump on board. And I think that's kind of what it took. I think there were some leaders at the very beginning that, that said, okay, you know, Debbie, you say that the education system has changed and they're here to support us. And they kind of came on board and, and, 
And then so those situations started to change other people's mindsets. Um, and so like modern plumbing was, you know, the Frank Bracco, we have our, our grant, which we have a grant. We do not have a scholarship. We, we give money for people for tools, for apprenticeships, um, to fix their cars, whatever it is. Because uh, I didn't want it associated to, to like scholarships, which is an education, you know, as far as like the college path. So we do grants. Um, so, you know, that, that grant was named after Frank Brasso and because he started in the trades in 1975, he started in the back of his pickup truck, a, a, a plumbing company. And I just, he was one of the greatest men. I mean, never so humble. So I learned from a lot of great men that just were, came from nothing that were very humble. So, I mean, it started with people like that. So you connected with them and where they started. And so those things started to reveal themselves and the bigger and the more that, you know, some very reputable companies became members of iBuild, then it started to change the thought process. And, and I, the first year I was, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, how in the world am I going to get these people to realize that if we don't fix this now, we're never going to fix this. Like, this is the time for us to truly change the industry and change what the education system looks like. Um, and I do think that, you know, people at first are very, very quick to just, I don't want any more on my plate. Like I'm already, I think, I think they wanted to see it to work, you know, and, and see what, what could happen before they really wanted to jump in. And I understand that now, but the first year I was like, and if it wasn't for Dr. Erin Brewster and Crystal Davidson, um, which is my vice president of iBuild, I, I don't know that I would have stayed. I mean, they were like, Debbie, you're so close. You're so close. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm so pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Debbie, with you doing all of this, I know that you know as well that there is a need for this outside mm -hmm. of the Central Florida area as well. Have Absolutely. You, have you thought about growing it slightly bigger? I'm not trying to put pressure. I'm just asking the question because you said, hey, we're, we're looking outside of the, the six school districts that are here. How far is that, is that growth looking? So, um, so, yes, of course, I've thought of that. Um, we did move to the, the Gulf Coast area. So we're in like the Tampa, Pinellas. Um, Hillsborough County area, um, Pasco County. We did just recently um, start expanding to North Florida, the Jacksonville, Orange County, or, uh, or Orange Park, you know, the St. John's, like all that area. So we are starting to expand. You know, the, the problem is, is on a nonprofit world, there's only so many of us. <laughs> and so we're only as good as our weakest link. And so time, time is what we don't have enough of. And obviously I run... I run a very successful subcontracting company and I'm still very much um, affiliated with my staffing company. So <laughs> I, there's only one person. So you know, they, they are guide. cloning DNA these days. You are aware yeah, that of that. Would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my staff would be like, no, please. No. <laughs> um, so I, I think that as we continue, like I've thought about trying to latch on to like a NAWIC, the National Association of Women in Construction, or tag on to um, an ABC and then maybe be an extension of those organizations, like being their workforce development side. Um, but I haven't had a partner yet that has come to me and said, hey, Debbie, let's let's go do this globally. And I'm going to need a partner like that to, to make something like that happen. I've even thought about using my QLM um, model, our, our staffing company. We have 23, lo 23 locations throughout the southeast of the U.S. So, you know, I thought about how do we make it to where this is in everyone's market, mm -hmm. but you, you have to believe in it and you have to totally, totally invest in it. And I just, I haven't gotten the rest of the 22 locations to do this because they just, they still don't see it. They, and 
I don't have to go look for business. Business finds me. And that's what I tell everybody, like, you're, it's going to suck. The first two years, it's going to suck. Like, you would not believe. But after that, it's, it, it is so much easier. The people, the people will find you. The clients will find you because you're bringing something to the table that nobody else has brought. And, but I can't get them. To, it, it's hard work. It's going to be two years of just pure hard work. And like I said, I, I just, I can't get them to see it yet. But, you know, I'm the number one office every single week by a lot. <laughs> I mean, we, we bill, you know, 250 to 300,000 every single week. And my number two stores is typically in the 80s or 90s. So, and I try to tell them like that didn't happen just because, I mean, that happened from a lot of hard work and a lot of positioning people and things in the right way. And, and then, of course, we have the highest rate of people that get hired by our clients. I mean, our, our people... I believe that we are a stepping stone for what the future looks like for them. And, and we are the ones that open up the door to the possibilities of what they could possibly do. So I, I love the fact that we have a staffing company and a subcontracting company and the I build mantra, because I feel like they just help one another so much to grow in the right direction. Oh, so, I mean, it, it, it sounds like it. It sounds like you have something that you have built that, it's quite successful. I mean, based on what you're saying, I mean, 23 locations, of course, is is great. Now mm -hmm. here, now here's the here's the thing that that I would ask: as you look at this, and your business has done well during this time, how was it during the pandemic? I mean, I know we're still a part of it. I mean, let's let's say that we're, I would love to say we're out or something along those lines, but I'd be lying. But how has it done during that time? Because of course, the world entirely changed. So, right. have things still been striving for you during those times as well? We had the um, most most growth on my subcontracting business in 2020. Wow. We um we went from a 6.7 million dollar company to an almost 16 million dollar company. Congratulations! So, Congratulations <laughs> on that. Uh, I had most people ask telling me, "Hey Debbie, do you know that there's a pandemic going on?" And I'm like, "Is there?" <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, you didn't know." And I said, "Well, I can either allow that to control me, or I can just continue down the path and act like it's not even there." And so. You know, my staff of, I think there's 25 of us. There's probably more. There's 300 craft workers out in the field, and there's probably 25 in the office. Um, they never, they they looked at me for their leadership. They they knew if Debbie wasn't panicking or Debbie wasn't stressed out or Debbie wasn't upset about the pandemic, then they weren't going to be upset either. They knew that we were going to work right through it, and we didn't. We didn't skip a beat. We opened a COVID cleaning division. We opened up a temperature reading division. I mean, it was. You know, I, I lost a lot of work during the pandemic, um, but it, we readjusted. You know, we, we lost work, but then we turned around and gained work at the airport and other sectors that, that made us okay. So we had like two, three weeks when it first hit. I remember the day it was March 16th. They shut down all of our Disney projects. And I was like, oh, my God, like that's 120 people. Mm -hmm. And in three weeks, I had them all back to work somewhere else that wanted to go to work. The hardest part then was trying to get them to be okay with what was going on because you know the news media made it seem like this horrible and it was for a lot of people it was horrible um but i just stayed the course and said you know what we're, we're going to get through this and if you don't feel well don't come to work but i you know we took our temperatures when we came to the office and we just we just stuck with it we we said that you know this too shall pass and it, and it it's gotten a lot better and so i guess i just as a leader i I never feared it. I mean, I had it myself and was like, eh, whatever. <laughs> so, 
I wore a mask, you know, every day and still came to work, um, which is very, which, you know, some people would, I may stay away from everybody, but mm-hmm. they actually did wonder like, why are you sitting way over there? I'm like, well, you know, I'm trying to be respectful. <laughs> and they're like, are you sick? And I'm like, no, no. So, I don't think I am. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I am. They would walk over to me and put stuff underneath my nose. And, Can you smell that? And I'm like, so, um, but you know, I just, I feel like as a leader, you dictate, you dictate what, what your company looks like and what your people, even our field people. I mean, they saw me come out to the job sites and check up on them. Like I wasn't fearful at all. I mean, and, and, and Jay, I'm one that believes that my time will come. It's already written. There's nothing I'm going to be able to do to change it. So why would I stop my life? Because we have a pandemic. Like I, we have, we have one life to live. And so I'm living it to its fullest. So. Well, it, <laughs> sure, really... it sure sounds like that. Now, Debbie, if people want to know more about you and the things that you're doing, where can they go out to find out more information? Um, well, um, obviously, our website is www.compedgellc.com is our subcontracting. And um, my staffing company that I started was uh, is myqlm.com. And then I build centralflorida.com. So those are the three websites that you can see me and um, all of the people. And I'm going to tell you, we're having this conversation, but I couldn't do this without my team members out in the field. And I certainly couldn't do this without my staff. So although I'm the one that gets a lot of the praise, I try to give them as much praise as I can because it, I, I couldn't do it without them. I mean, they're, I have an amazing group of people that I will tell you have all been handpicked. There's only one person on my entire staff that has not been handpicked. And um, he is, you know, a very young up and coming, but I've seen them all in different elements and old, their you know, past jobs. And I saw something in them. They, they helped people and they cared about people. And like, I would watch them talk to their employees. And I was like, Oh, he's like, that's, that's the guy I want on my team because he gets it. He gets it. That's his most valuable asset are his people like and and i think a lot of ceos forget that i mean the most you can you can put a pnl on my desk all day long and i'll be like yeah if we're doing right by the team members by the clients and by the staff my numbers will always be there and i focus on the people and that's that's unusual for a ceo to focus on the people and not focus on the numbers and the biggest thing that we have too is safety like i want people to come home the same way they went you know to work i don't I mean, the safety and you have to have the culture. I mean, if we're currently right now downstairs, we're having an OSHA 10 class with, you know, 25 of our team members, because big thing for me is that we all need to have, you know, we all need to be educated in OSHA 10 and OSHA 30. And so and they give me their time. I give them the class for free, but it's, it goes beyond that. It goes with, they care about each other. I'm, I was, I had to move upstairs to my, you know, to my subcontracting company because downstairs I wouldn't have been able to hear you because they're having such a good time in their OSHA training. <laughs> um, so, but it's, it's great to see that and they care about each other. I think that's another thing too, is we have a culture that we look out for each other. We, we truly genuinely like each other. And, and I think that's what makes us great. And everybody asks me, you know, how, I think we just, we love what we do. So it's, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like a lot of fun. Well, and I think that's important. And what you said there, is about how they care for each other. I think that's so crucial. And I will tell you, you are one of the very few people that I have ever interviewed that has taken a pause to say, hey, I'm the one that's here, but I'm here because of my staff. And I really do appreciate you doing that. It really means a bunch. 
Well, I can tell you this, Jay. I wouldn't work this hard if it wasn't for them. I mean, I, I tell them all the time, I didn't build this company for me. I built this company for us because I wanted them to know that they had a place to, to always have security. Because in, in the world that we live in today, especially through the pandemic, I think a lot of people forgot that our people should be the most important thing to our company, period. And I still think they're still trying to figure that out. And the companies that finally have figured that out and are, and are implementing things that keep people there are going are gonna to be here through the, the worst of the worst. Um, and I think that's where I get really disheartened. The other thing, too, is teaching them, like teach them to be better every single day. I don't care if it's, you know, I tell everybody, I want you to be 1% better every single day, however that looks. And they and teach the people. If you know more than the guy standing next to you or the girl standing next to you, teach them what you know, because your knowledge will make this world. It, you can spread that to everybody. So that's the other thing, too, is we have, you know, mentoring and you know, mentoring people up. I mean, we've we've done a lot of that in our career. I mean, I have. I have people that can't even speak English worth a lick, but they're certainly running some of our jobs. Now, of course, that's my job to now foster them to, hey, you need to learn English. Um, but I mean, it all comes in time. And, and like I said, I, I get emotional when I talk about my team members and when I talk about my staff because I wouldn't work this hard if it wasn't for them. And it, like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work because I, I care so much for all of them. Well, Debbie, I appreciate what you're doing. For your staff, I also appreciate what you're doing for the Central Florida community. And something tells me you're going to be doing something for a larger scale of people. You're setting a blueprint out there that you're not even recognizing. I appreciate you coming on to the show today. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for everything. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Safety FM. Changing safety cultures. One broadcast and one podcast at a time. So do you feel like you're missing out on what everyone is starting to do now, that live streaming thing, and you don't know where to start or what to do? I have the resource and the information to provide to you in regards on how you can stream onto 40 social media platforms all at one time. Yes, that's 44-0 social media platforms all at one time. All you'll need to do is go to safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's safetyfm.com forward slash one. That's O-N-E. So just in case, and you'll be able to start live streaming just like you're hearing people starting to do right now up to 40 social media platforms.